virus can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. I'll repeat that by removing the head or destroying the brain. <gasps> Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders. He was a zombie? You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. This is the special Zombie Survival Guide edition. My name is Sean, and I am sitting here with Brooks. Good evening, or good afternoon, depending on what time zone you're in. Whenever you're listening, that's fine. We don't yeah. judge. And uh, if, if there are zombies approaching your house right now, if you can see them through the window, you might want to go ahead and fast forward a little bit and get to the get to the meat of the show, because... Yeah, get straight to the survival tips. There's some good stuff in this one. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, this isn't just a zombie thing. This is this applies to me to any end of the end of civilization scenario. Zombies being the most prevalent. That's the thing about zombies, really, is that a zombie invasion pretty much represents all the things that, that could happen that are bad in your life. The worst They're, parts of the end of the planet. The worst parts of everything. <laughs> all right. These are the things that you should be looking for. And I want you to understand that, that this is not necessarily an end-of-civilization scenario that involves zombies. It could cover a wide range of urban warfare survival scenarios, from natural disasters to the inevitable revolution that will occur when the slave society of sex bots we create in the future to provide us carnal pleasure suddenly develops consciousness and free will, rising up against us by constructing giant robot monkeys to destroy our civilization. Robot or, or, monkeys. Robot monkeys, or it could be zombies, or I don't know, some kind of, some kind of, uh, maybe just a hurricane, but whatever. Maybe robot the, zombies. Or robot zombie monkeys. Yeah, there you go. Um, th- that we develop for our carnal pleasure. It's basically oh, a catch-all. Anything yeah. goes. Anything, if the crap hits the fan, this is what you do. Exactly. Are there 10 no of them? No matter what. It, it is 10. This is a perfect 10 list. We have rounded it out because these are the 10 things you need to know. All right. Starting with number 10. And this is the simple one. Take your jacket. If you're not sure where you're going, take your coat. This is a pretty good adventuring rule in general. But don't go overboard. If it's 100 degrees out and you're wearing your coat, you're not prepared. You're just a freaking weirdo. So this this one's kind of based on what climate you're in when the zombies attack, I guess. Well, you're assuming that you're going to go somewhere. Like in most climates, there's going to be good weather and there's going to be bad weather. You don't know. But the point is, when you leave the house, pretend you're leaving it for the last time. And this is, I, I got to stress the last part of this to you, to to the fanboys out there, to the trench coat crowd. You do want to be careful about wearing your coat everywhere in any weather, because that just, you know, that makes people nervous. Can you think of any movies where, where people have forgotten their coats? I can think of movies where jackets would have been important. Really? Well, like by that Day After Tomorrow movie where it just turns cold forever and they're burning books to survive. Yeah, I yeah, think if that's Jake true. Gyllenhaal just had a parka for no reason, everyone would have thought he was weird at first, but then it would have come across like, my dad's a climatologist, by the way, suckers. Yeah. That would have been a good ending. That movie. Better burn some books because it's about to get cold up in here. That movie was on TV the other night. I hadn't seen it since the theater, and it was cracking me up. Oh, man. It's cracked me up anyway. It is really. There's a part when he's in like a flooded subway station or something, and water's up to his neck, and he, he finds a phone, and he calls his parents. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm all right. I'm fine. And like, and they're, oh, he's fine. He's all right. Like, can't you totally tell cool he's about to drown? <laughs> and it <laughs> abruptly ends. It's yeah. like, I'll come to get you. Boop. 
Oh, well. And then like nothing. Oh, you, I got cut off. Probably probably a cell phone or something. You know how the, the coverage isn't that good out there. <laughs> my favorite part of that whole movie, and there's a lot of really dumb parts, but my favorite part of that whole movie is where at the very beginning it gets so cold that the gasoline in the helicopter freezes <laughs> and the helicopter falls out of the air. But they're all inside perfectly fine. And they're actually inside going, the gasoline just froze. And what does this guy do? When they're down, he opens up the window and sticks his face out in it, and it instantly just freezes solid. Yikes. Like, well, that's what you get, moron. Don't open a window when someone just told you the gas froze. You, you know what, what would have helped him? A parka. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps a ski mask. Maybe put a parka on your face. Now, I don't guess we're recommending that people wear trench coats and ski masks at all times, because that will definitely put you in the in into the eye of, yeah. of suspicion. I think but, you have to develop an instinct them. for Keep it. Keep them in if a backpack. You, if you get a mysterious call in the middle of the night and you don't know where you're headed and they're like, oh, you know, and you're going on a trip that, that goes through a lot of like urban country back roads or something and you're not sure if you might end up in cold weather or something, take a bunch of useful stuff with you. The jacket being the most useful of all stuff because it's a pretty practical item. But that gets us to number nine, I think, because number nine, it says, be mindful of your surroundings. This is also a Jedi rule, but but it applies to real life. Because when you go somewhere, you want to make a mental note of the entry points and the exit points. It's a good idea to size up the people around you, like who the weak links are, who might be the handiest to stand next to in a pinch, or who would be the first person to, to suggest eating the dead if you were all stranded somewhere in the snow. You really want to know who that guy is beforehand. Even in real life, that's a good thing. That's a character trait you want to be able to single out. Because we've all met guys like that. Have you ever had any conversations with people where they're perfectly okay with the idea of eating the dead already? Yeah. They just like, bring it up randomly. Yeah, where you just talk about that movie alive or something. People are like, "Well, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna die, you know, I'd, I'd eat you." And they're already talking of sound mind. I would expect like, you to do the same, buddy. Yeah, you're not. You're already <laughs> not wild with hunger, and you're already okay with eating me. <laughs> well, sorry, I ate your mom, man. But you know, whatever. Because that's think, the real-life story of those guys in Alive. One of the guys went down, and his mom was on the I plane. Think, I don't understand the stories at all. You know, I would sling my mom over my shoulder and just walk off into the mountains. Well, that's another one of those. I, w- I don't think I would have sat there quite as long as they did. Just like in Lost. You know, you crash, and what do you do? You take three weeks to sit still. Wait to someone... be rescued? Yeah, Are you like, kidding me? Just I don't have walking. that instinct in me at all. Maybe it's horror movies, but I do not have the wait-to-be-rescued instinct in me at all. They're putting a like, lot of trust in people to think that that's going to happen. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. You think that it's already bad enough that you'll have to eat somebody, but you have enough faith in humanity that you think someone's already looking for you. I don't understand. That's a weird dichotomy in, being, in, of mindset to me. Being mindful of your surroundings, I think, uh, you could probably look at Shaun of the Dead for this. You know, they're, they, they have to escape. Where do they go? Do they go to a place they know? They go to the bar. Yeah. I do and like, they, I, I relate know, to that a lot. And they know there's a gun there. Because they they allude to it earlier in the film, but how we said that an Applebee's or some place like that, one of these one of these restaurants would probably be a good place to go because everyone's gonna not, not being zombies necessarily. Let's just say it's the end of civilization. People are probably going to be looting the grocery stores. They're going to think of that. 
They're going to yeah. think of normal places. But if you hold up in a restaurant, there's a lot of frozen food there. There's a lot of stockpiled stuff there. There are a lot of supplies there. And people probably aren't automatically thinking, yeah, see, that. I like where your head's at on that. Like, there's a lot of stuff that people, like, if you went to an Applebee's, you know, they got, like, cricket bats on the walls and stuff, yeah, like, all the, the sporting goods. You want to think Football in terms helmets. of the, yeah, we could get up. helmets and weapons from the from the decorations, and then we'll have food and water I supplies. Guess the really smart, but but not, not very humane people would go hit the gun stores. Yeah, I want to well. go to a place where there's nobody with guns, and even if I'm one of them. Because I want food and water, and then you go looking for a gun once you're already once you're already entrenched somewhere where you have a food supply. I guess it's true. Another zombie movie. It was uh, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn There's of the Dead is one of the pivotal. Store yeah, the guy in the gun store. The he gets it because he eventually doesn't, he doesn't last. I mean, he lasts a long time. But he, but he eventually runs forever. out of food. The guy's in the yeah. mall. What an American movie. What a consumer-driven movie. That's a purely capitalist because the people in the mall they hold out the longest because they have basically every. Every aspect of American society is represented. They have clothes, they have food, they have water. I'm surprised there's a lot of food in a mall, though. I mean, there's a food court, I guess, but, but most of that stuff is perishable, I would think. I wonder how much frozen food they have. That is something you want to consider. I wouldn't hold up in a mall. Be mindful of your surroundings, and, and to a larger extent, have a, have a plan of a place to go, a place that will have the things that you need, the stuff that you're familiar with. Yeah, because it's not just important to have a place to go that you that you already know about. But think of if you're in a place, what if you were trapped there? You want to know the best ways in and out and the best ways to defend yourself. That's just action movie thinking, you know. If I had to jump out that window, would I be too high up? Could I land on something? Yeah, is there, is there a garbage can down there? Because there always is in movies. There's always yeah, a dumpster exactly. full, of, full of pillows or something. And that guy's the coolest ever because he seems to always know they're there. That's what you want to know. Could I bounce off that canopy or would I go straight through? Would I be able to catch that flagpole strap and swing (laughs) it into the window across the street, Jackie Chan style? Yeah. Or am I going to become a a splat? Be mindful of your own physical abilities is probably true too. If you're if you're like me, don't try that flagpole jump. Yeah, the the pole will break and you'll go straight down. Exactly. You want to just, know where the where the fire exit is if you're me. Be practical. Just be mindful. Period. Yeah. If someone were chasing me, where I would, where would I run? This is a good question to ask anywhere. That could come up in real life. That's not a zombie question. Here's another good one though. This is number eight. Keep your trunk stopped. You may or may not be in your car when this happens. Hopefully you are, because the movies teach us that as soon as the bad stuff happens and you wreck your car, you're dead. Because that's the first thing they take out. First it's the car, then it's the cell phone. But the car is much more useful in my opinion. But wherever you are, you could potentially have any number of useful items available if you're in your car. Water and freeze-dried food, military MREs would be the best thing. Or more everyday items like toilet paper. Think about that. Scuba gear or mountain climbing gear. Ropes and chains are always good for something. What was that? Do you, do you remember Boondock Saints where he buys the big thing of rope? Yeah. He's just like, get your rope. <laughs> like, People in the movies are always taking it. It's always good for something. <laughs> it's like that's – so I would say because a rope is also a practical item. Keep a fully packed suitcase in the car. I do. Keep a bunch of flashlights, especially a high-powered mag light. A radio, preferably a, if you have a hurricane radio that's actually wind-up or solar-powered. Those are the best things to have. Keep a first aid kit. Keep a first aid kit in your house and in your car. That's just good sense. A tent or an inflatable raft an or a guy you're Or if you have an inflatable tent raft with a cannon. 
Well, here's the thing about the raft. I do have a tent in the trunk of my car. I'll tell you that. I do not have a raft. But if the situation ever arose and someone said, if only we had an inflatable raft and you could produce one, you would instantly become like the coolest guy ever. But until that moment, you're one you'd of the be, weirdest guys. You'll be weird. Yeah, don't let people see the inside of your trunk if you if you follow my advice because they'll think you're like a serial killer or something. Hey, Why see, do you have here, duct tape and a crowbar? Like, never mind. Here is the uh, the zombie movie example of this army of darkness he opens up his trunk yes. and he's got a chemistry book in there that teaches him how to make gunpowder to kill the deadites there he's you got, go he's got extra shotgun shells he has everything you need he's got fangoria to, to buy to, to fight him, evil you know keep him entertained yeah myself i wouldn't be able to create gunpowder if i went to medieval times and was confronted with an army of zombies even but, if i had a chemistry book i couldn't i couldn't do gunpowder so you might ought to add some uh, reference books to your trunk. Now, there, there is a danger of, of lowering your, your gas mileage by, by weighing down the back of the car like that. <laughs> too but much you, unnecessary junk. You get additional traction on your rear tires, and that, that could give you just enough extra oomph to get away from a certain situation in a car chase. So there, there's a trade-off. That's true. And this isn't on the list, but let me say something. Because we mentioned this happens in these movies, if... It all goes down, and it'll go down really fast. It always does, and it's like utter chaos. And I know that your tendency is going to be to get distracted while you're driving your car. You're going to be staring at stuff. You're going to be screaming. Weirdos are going to be running in front of the car, possibly trying to break the windows, possibly while already eating someone else. <laughs> Whatever you do, you stay focused on driving. If you get to drive through people, that's fine, but do not veer away from something weird and hit a tree. Do not go into a ditch. This is the worst time ever to do that. Like, you want your wits about you for real. Like, if you're driving the car and it goes down, God bless you. You're in the best place to be. Nothing's better than the car when it goes down. But don't don't freak out and wreck the car within five minutes. Because that's how all these movies tires. start. Yeah, whatever. Do not drive over anything that will blow your tires. You want to be changing a tire while people are trying to eat your shoulders? <laughs> exactly. I can hardly do it in the rain. It's not going to happen. But that's what happens in all these movies. If the movies have taught us anything, being separated from mobility is, is, is basically the same as death. So don't do that. Number seven is actually after you've wrecked the car, idiot, carry useful <laughs> items with you at all times. If you can't be away and have a trunk load of goodies, then try to keep as much normal useful things in your pockets as you can. Immediate mo mobilization is the key to your survival when the unexpected happens, so keep odd bits in your pockets that could help you out. Normal stuff, like a pocket knife, some kind of universal tool like a Gerber, a disposable lighter. You'll want to take a Zippo, but don't take a Zippo because the fluid dries up really fast. On a disposable, the fluid can last forever. Take waterproof strike anywhere matches if you can. Get yourself a pocket LED light, something that's a flashlight that'll actually fit that you can carry around with you without noticing it. And in deference to rule number 10, there's a lot of stuff you can keep in a jacket. Like, there, you can keep a small flashlight, or a flask, or, I mean, canteen. You can keep a journal for so you can have an account of how it all ends. Keep gloves, a pocket handkerchief, super glue, a sewing kit, at least one stapler. You know what I'm saying. Have an oh crap bag already packed. Like if someone tells you, you have to leave tonight without any question. Have a backpack that you can just grab. <laughs> got it. It's got it's got a cross, silver bullets, whatever. That's okay. another thing that Rambo would make knife. you the coolest person ever. If you're somewhere and someone just in a restaurant or something and somebody shows up, it's like, we've got to go now. And you're like, ready. 
that's where the jacket rule comes in because you may or may not be able to have a bag with you, but you can fit all kinds of stuff into the pockets of a jacket. If you took your jacket that night, that could be the difference between living and dying. You might not be able to get to your car. What if you're in the middle of a, of a Walmart when, when the zombie attack happens? Yeah. And the, uh, there's a million zombies between you and the car. Now, there's a lot of useful stuff in a Walmart, but let's consider you're somewhere without, without a sporting goods section. You want to really be prepared. That's, this is really like the ultimate extreme example of the Boy Scout code. You know, be prepared for anything. Who knows? If having a pocket knife in your back pocket could save your life, wouldn't you want to do that? And that's not a weird thing to have to explain to people, except at that's, an airport. That's MacGyver right there. Exactly. Duct tape and a Swiss Army knife, and that man was good to go back in the early days. That's what you want to be. You want to embrace that inner MacGyver, because that's a guy that could come across. I said this one time, and I believe it's true. The guy that you want to be with is is the guy who decided to put a headlight on a vacuum cleaner. That guy was thinking <laughs> ahead, because who would have thought that would ever be? Well, you know, in a zombie scenario, that guy would be thinking of all kinds of stuff. Like, uh, man, I would have never thought of of why I would need to be able to vacuum in the dark, but you considered that. So you're on the team. You're on the zombie squad. All right, number six. Number six, sleep with one eye open, holding your pillow tight. Danger can strike at any time, so you don't want to be caught sleeping. If you're a heavy sleeper, you might want to have some kind of early warning system, like a string of pots and pans lining the bedroom window, or maybe just a dog. Also, keep a flashlight and a melee weapon by the bed just in case something makes it through. That happens in a Dawn of the Dead, too, doesn't it? They, well, then like, she wakes uh, up in the middle of the night. Creepy, crazy neighbor chick is there, and she's already a zombie. If you yeah. had a hatchet by the bed, end of movie. Bam. Yeah. This husband yeah. wouldn't have even been gone. If you're ready to move at a moment's notice, like if the neighbor kid is there and she's got like blood coming out of her mouth and then she tries to bite you, <laughs> you put a hatchet in her face. That changes the whole scenario right there. Even zombies will respect that. Yeah. Say, you know, I think we'll move on to greener pastures. Like that, This one looks like she might be trouble. Already got a hatchet. And this is another rule that doesn't just apply to zombies. People get in the house sometimes. This applies in the real world. Can you imagine if someone broke into your room to mess with you and you had like a long sword by the bed? Now that it, would be that would get their attention. Yeah, and Terminator, that guy comes in and, and he hits the Terminator with a lamp. That doesn't do anything to a Terminator. Yeah, he, a shotgun, that doesn't even... We know that that knocks him down. It doesn't kill him, but it knocks him down. Well, that's the good robot scenario because you shoot a robot in the eyes, that's going to confuse him. It's not going to hurt him, but it might, you know, it might mess with his visual sensors at least. If he's impervious to pain, at least try to interfere with whatever they're using to see you and track you. And that's true with zombies, too. You know, be, be prepared. Switch it up, you know? The world's gone haywire, man. All the rules are out. All right, but moving on to number five. Another good real-world lesson. Learn karate or jujitsu or something exotic and weird like capoeira. The bottom line is you don't know how it will play out or whether or not you're going to have weapons when it does. But a flying noodle kick to the face can even up the odds in a hurry. Which just goes to support another theory that I have. If you're not sure what to do, just punch someone in the face. You'd be surprised like, how many situations that get you out of. Most people don't see it coming in real life. Like the uh, the priest in Dead Alive. He takes on like yeah. 20, 20 or 30 zombies Kick before he gets... Ask for the eaten. Lord. You know what got him is what gets a lot of people in movies like that is they stick around to fight too long. You know, yeah, you got a hit and you, run, hit and yeah. run. If you noodle kicked a couple of guys and then just ran for it, you'd be fine. But you want to sit around and be Billy Bad and you get eaten. 
that's another good rule also, you know. Do what you got to do to get out. Don't don't stand around and try to win. In a zombie scenario, and zombie movies have taught us this unequivocally, there's no winning in the zombie scenario. There is only surviving for as long as possible. I think learn karate is a good rule because you know who buys it the first and the easiest is the one who, when everything is going to pot, they just stand there screaming. Like, don't yeah. waste a lot of time on that. Unless the world has gotten to the point where you just can't deal with it and you want to have your throat ripped out, don't spend a lot of time lamenting the downfall of things. Don't spend too much time being being confused and amazed and fascinated by how awful it is. You know, adapt quickly. You know, if you know karate and, like, the living dead are coming at you, try kicking someone in the face. See how that plays out, man. I think I think it'd be also pretty cool if you could learn how to throw knives. I'm oh, not really yeah. sure how practical that is, but it, but it's very impressive if if someone's coming and you just spin around and woof, right in the forehead. Well, I think that's throwing cool. things in general is a pretty good talent to have because if you know how to throw knives, that's an extension of just learning how to throw anything. You may not have knives where you are. You're, you're most likely not going to have a gun. So if you know how to throw something and kill somebody, that's pretty good to have in any situation because there's always going to be pointy things wherever you go. So I think that's a good that's that's a good tip, I think. All right, number four. Number four is a strict action rule. And this will apply to a zombie scenario also, but I think it, it's, it works just for any action scenario. And it's learn how to use various modes of transportation. This is an action hero must. Opportunity can be a cruel mistress. So you don't, you don't know when you'll be called on to drive a stick shift, ride a motorbike, hang glide from a rooftop, or windsurf over a waterfall. These are all things I can't do already, by the way. Buses also seem to heavily play into end-of-the-world scenarios for some reason. I guess that's just because they hold a lot of people. Yeah, or helicopters. You see a lot of helicopters, especially in zombie movies. Well, yeah. I guess because it's the only way you can imagine getting outside of the attack zone. I'll tell you, and take and take this from the new from the action master of American cinema in the new Die Hard movie. John McClane, for no reason at all, has learned how to pilot a helicopter. Of course. So of course, that's but that says to that takes me years of practice. I, I actually believe that because it's like after a guy who's been through as much as he has, he probably got crash courses in a lot of action hero stuff. Yeah, because he he actually said, you know, in my line of work, the way things have been going, learning to fly a helicopter is probably going to be a useful skill for me. So that's good thinking. You want to be in that because because basically. It's a diehard scenario no matter what. Die Hard is the greatest of all action movies because it's all about what if you got caught – I mean he didn't even have shoes on. What if you got caught in a situation where you had to step up and you had nothing? Like he had to crawl into like the air conditioning vent and he hadn't even put his shoes on yet and he had to figure that out. That's the template you want to follow. A guy that can act like John McClane, that guy can survive anything. And you want to be able to learn how to fly jets to true lies style. Yeah, and, plus and if the, possible, cool. to eject from a jet and land on an enemy's jet, pull him out and get into his. This is straight from Jackie Chan's it's autobiography, to too. Jackie Chan, the words of the master, he said that if you want to be an action hero, you really have to know how to do everything. Because you never know when something's going to require you to like, you know, ride a motorcycle or, you, or hang glide or whatever. I mean, that really comes from him. I, I think I'm, I'm channeling Jackie when I say that, because that's a man who knows. At the very least, learn how to how to parachute. I'm going to go with stick shift since I don't know how to drive one. I would really say I'd hate to be in a life or death scenario where I couldn't drive like half the cars that are out there in the world. Yeah, that, that would suck. 
So stick Learn shift how to and hotwire a car. Hot wiring is a big one. Yeah, because they make it look easy, but it's really not. So if you really trust me, I've tried. There's a really good book for this, actually, this kind of stuff. And I don't know if it shows you how to hotwire a car, but it came out a few years ago called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. They've made several of them, like for different things. But the first one was really funny because they basically took action movie stuff and they they consulted people like in real life. How would you actually do this? Like, how would you turn a car around 180 if, if you had to like they do in the movies? Or what's the best way to kick in a door if you were going to? And they have you stuff also, like that in it. Or if you, you had to, to deliver learn. a baby in the back of a cab, <laughs> that was one of them. That's a good one. I think I would add also to this because it, it's sort of similar. I, you need to learn how to set up booby traps and fabricate weapons with things you find in the wild. Yeah, simple like, stuff. Not like that in, complicated. Like in Predator. Yeah, learn how to set up a tripwire. It's not as easy as it sounds. But, you know, if you're being hunted by an alien and, and all you have are the woods around you, you got to learn how to make one, some kind of tree branch that snaps with spears and stuff. Especially if it's a Sasquatch with a laser cannon. You want to have all the edge that you can because just covering yourself with mud may not be enough. <laughs> if you're Schwarzenegger, maybe. You want to be able to be yourself and survive that situation. That's all I we're I always thought at. it'd be cool to also learn how to kind of stay underwater with only a reed to breathe through. You see that a lot in these kind of movies. I wonder how hard that would be, really. I guess it depends on the length of the reed. Well, we're going to try that one weekend. We'll go out and do that. We're going to test some of this stuff out and let you guys know. Because authenticity is really the heart of this show. Yes, and we're all about integrity here. Yeah, we wouldn't steer you wrong. We want to know. Because I want to be the one at the end of all things to say, oh, yeah, I taught you how to do that. That's my only chance of taking over. Wouldn't it be gratifying when the world is in ruins and we're, you know, we're feasting upon our dead friends to have someone come over the hill and go, is that you, Sean, from TV 8 My Dinner? Thank God for TV 8 My Dinner. I'm alive because of you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I do subsist on mostly my own urine. So I'm sorry about that. But I am glad to be alive. And now that I'm here, you can just do the podcast in person. Awesome. Yeah, say something funny, funny man. Now that everything's over, what else should I now do that now? I've, now that I'm done eating my family <laughs> once and I, my soul is dead. Once I saw my wife's face get bitten off by some undead horror, tell me what else I should laugh at. Uh, number right. three. Barring that, number three takes a lighter tone. Because number three doesn't apply to zombie scenarios at all. In fact, I, I hesitate to mention it because it's mostly just a fugitive rule. But always travel with an alias. Have a travel identity already created because it has a number of uses. If things get off, if things get bad, like overnight or awfully quick or immediately, then you might not know who you can trust. If you're already traveling under an alias, then you're ahead of the game. Make sure you have these identities already in place with ID, bank accounts, and if possible, a new social security number. Passport if you can get it, because that's the important part. That's really the future to rule, though, I think. This doesn't apply to end of civilization so much as it's your typical a shadow government and or evil corporation is trying to ruin my life scenario. Also, make sure you have cool and original aliases. Like, and these are mine, so don't take them. Chance Dark Justice? Maverick Lone Star or Lobo McBadass? Yeah, because, you know, if you're looking for someone and you find a hotel registry, it says Chance Dark Justice. You, you would think to yourself, that's too dumb. Yeah, you know, that, that, that no can't one would possibly make up a name be that him. Dumb. That's hiding in plain sight, my friend. That's what I call it. That's a purloined letter for you. Like, clearly, that's too obvious to be the truth. He wouldn't well, have called himself Lobo you McBadass. You should also probably carry cash. Yeah. Or, or have a, a cash 
cached stuffed somewhere that you can get to, buried out in a swamp or something. And if you really want to be an international man of mystery following the fugitive rules, you should carry cash of many nations. Oh, yeah. Keep like euros a full of you. different denominations of different countries. Very smart. Yeah. Or even bank accounts in those. If you've got travel identities already, make sure you have bank accounts in place. Like it I said, this isn't a zombie thing, but just think you're out somewhere and someone calls you and tells you all right away, you're burned. you got to leave town. And you hop on it. You've got a passport on <laughs> you. On you hop you. on a jet. You're gone. That would be so – that would be the heart of cool where it's like you didn't have to go home for anything. You had everything on you. You go to Zurich. You've already got a bank account set up. You already, you already have an have apartment. Safe house. How great is that? With something that's related to this that, that could be useful in a zombie situation, I think, is is perhaps it would be a good idea to have contacts with various nefarious people and organizations around the world. Basically, you so have you find yourself contacts, in a foreign think, yeah. place and you need to get smuggled across a border, you know who to call. This you goes know, on. I, I, my plumbing breaks. I don't even know who to call for that. <laughs> but but it'd be cool if like something happens. And you're like, I've got to get across the border. They're looking for me. I've got to go underground. And you know a guy. I know. I have in the States who got too hot. Like in a commando, he knows where to go somehow to get rocket Yeah, he goes to like some kind of supermarket and then there's a secret room with machine guns. That is That guy is totally I, – I don't want to keep saying that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the perfect like action guy, but I guess he, he contributed to that genre. And he really does. They took my daughter and the next thing you know, he's got an arsenal. Yeah. And then and, he just and he flies. he completely knows what to do. He he never calls for help or anything. He just I know. All he, he has to, all he does is set his watch and that's it. It's on. It's yeah. go time. See. But and, and here's here's a trick, a shortcut for you because it's too late for any of us to become Arnold. But it's like when you go off to college and you don't have a car so you make friends with a guy who has a car. Like yeah. sooner or later if you if you look around, you're going to meet an Arnold. And become his best friend. You can be the Tom Arnold. Become yeah. that guy. <laughs> you may not know how to fly a plane, but stick close to the guy that does. And that, that's your shortcut in. It's too late for the rest of us to start working out. But you just go to the gym till you meet that dude. Be his comic foil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All and right, number one. This is now this, this is, is number a, two. Uh, We're still to number two now. Oh, yeah. We, my bad. Number two follows number three, but it also follows the rest of them. It's have a flight plan. No matter where you are, no matter what it is, you need to have a way out. You should already be familiar with the roads and the waterways in your area, especially those not publicly known. When it goes down, everyone will be on the road. What you need is an alternate method of travel, like cross-country on horseback, or as we mentioned before, if you have access to a helicopter, where applicable, a boat. This would be a good alternative. For best results, be prepared to travel on foot and have a route plotted that will put you in the way of the least amount of people, especially in a zombie scenario. Because in zombie invasions, the more people there are, that's where they're the most zombies. People are generally targeted in larger groups in an invasion scenario. And, and boats are especially good in zombie situations, because I've yet to see a zombie movie, really, where they swim. I think they do in a couple. House of the Dead but, has yeah. the only one of the only things they have going for them is swimming zombies, but they don't swim after boats. Now, Donna, they, they get on a boat, and as soon as they get to a place where there are, they get to land, there's zombies there. That's the downside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you better know a place where there are no people right now, because assume wherever there are people, those people are now zombies. If you follow zombie that, zombie movies, cars are just about always death traps, but helicopters and boats seem to be a pretty good 
pretty good idea. Except for Jaws the, and the day after tomorrow, helicopters seem to be the way to go. And in the Jaws scenario, just don't go low enough that some kind of freakishly large <laughs> shark can pull you into the water. Because you kind of have no it coming reason. if you're in a helicopter and you get eaten by a shark. What I don't like about helicopters is that there's a potential for running out of fuel. Whereas in a boat, you run out of fuel, you're still floating. Well, that's true, but you're floating out in the middle of the ocean. Get you one of those pontoon helicopters. Well, that's what the shark ate, though. Well, I mean, if you're already I guess a shark out of fuel, a, boat too. a shark could eat a boat if you could eat a helicopter. I mean, we can't plan for everything. I guess keep right, an so oxygen canister and a pistol handy. Yeah. So, so a pontoon helicopter is basically what we're saying. And, and a flight plan. So you want you want some kind of nav star or something on it. You want like a uh, a GPS or something. Yeah, and you want to make sure that it's plotted beforehand because this is one thing that really bothered me in the Die Hard 4 movie is that the plot of the movie is that the guy who is taking over has shut down all communications of everything. He's like taking over satellites. He's taken – he's shut down cell phone towers. Like no one can talk to anyone. But in order to steal this car that they're trying to get to the place to stop the bad guy, the, the comic sidekick calls OnStar and convinces him it's his car. And I'm like, wait, OnStar works? That's like the greatest yeah. product placement <laughs> ever. It's like they cut down like to the point where they can't get satellite communication up, but the onstar person is still on. This is the thing we were talking about in the Transformers scenario. It's like you telling me they're not they're not hip to what's going on nationwide. This is like a like in the whole country kind of thing. But OnStar is still like, OnStar, can I help you? Like nothing is going wrong. So you want to have you want to have a, a plan that doesn't involve that because I'm pretty sure in real life that's not going to happen. If your cell phone doesn't work, you're not getting OnStar. As as part of the have a flight plan, I think I think you could include in that perhaps have a bunker. Oh yeah, I do like the bunker. You know, like get to the bunker. You know, things are going down, and and in the bunker you could have all manner of communication equipment and weapons and and food and stuff. But I just but if zombies attacked, a bunker would work really well. I just realized this is the get to the chopper. Get to the chopper! Yeah. Here we are again. And that's Arnold as chopper. well. He's just, maybe he's the man to ask. Well, it's clear that we grew up in the 80s. It's clear <laughs> that we are products of the Arnold movies. <laughs> it is true. And so far that has that, that education hasn't paid off. But I do believe that if we were in a zombie alien invasion scenario that we could trust everything we learned in those movies. You know what else would be handy to know? If not a, just a little gross maybe? You should have a detailed knowledge of the sewer system of your city. So if you need to, you can go underground. That's, that's always handy in movies. That's the good thinking because a lot of like just like you said, you know, most people are not going to automatically think of the sewers. So you're already cutting down on the number of people you're likely to run into down there. And it's not at all likely to run into zombies in the sewers. Yeah, cuz how many people died in the sewers? Because that's where the zombies come from. In a zombie scenario, the good thinking is think of the places that have the most people and avoid them. Like it's the same rule. If you if you just go ahead and assume that all people have become zombies, that'll give you the places to go. It's like I'm not going there. That place was full of people. Like just think about that. So, that's full of zombies then. So in America, the safest place would be a library. <laughs> yeah, go to the library. Because the zombies there you could probably take because they probably were 50 when they were healthy. Or maybe a soccer game. Yeah. But then in the soccer game, the problem is that those will be the fittest zombies of the yeah. world. There won't be very many, but man, they will be the super zombies. Those will be the bionic zombies. They kick and headbutt. Yeah. I would much rather fight the librarian zombie. It's like you were hardly useful when you were still alive. 
Oh, now we're going to anger the librarians of the world. I would make a perfectly good zombie. Why can't I go an episode without alienating some group? This brings us to number one. And I really think number one goes right along with what we were just saying, because people equal death in a zombie scenario. So the number one thing that I impart to you is leave them all behind. It's cold, but this ain't no how to be a hero list. This is a survival scenario. If you're so worried about what will become of the people you know, then work out a survival strategy beforehand that will give you all a common rendezvous point that's clear of danger. If it goes down hard and heavy, sifting through the rubble for stragglers is likely to get everybody killed. Make sure you all know what to do and where to be when it hits. More lives can be spared by planning ahead rather than getting left, than getting left behind. Plus, large groups of people don't travel as easily in an urban chaos situation, and the wrong people can be dangerous to the group. There's always that one guy, the let's eat the dead guy, and he ends up getting bitten by the zombie but doesn't tell anybody until he's suddenly tearing their throats out, or the guy who wanted to eat the dead back before we even knew there were zombies. And he's already starting to eye everybody hungrily just to see who will drop first. Or the ones that just go stir-crazy or shell-shocked to the point that they try to kill everybody for no reason at all. You don't need that kind of aggravation. Just split up and regroup later. If you're already in a group, stick with them, but don't linger to find out what happened to the ones whose phones went dead. If you see somebody bit, too, don't don't hesitate. Do like in a Dead Alive, just get the machete out, instantly yeah, chop the chop arm the off. the offending member. Because <laughs> yeah. if they live, they'll thank you, and if they don't, well, they were going to die anyway. And they're like, what are you doing? Singayo! Gone. Yeah, Singayo! <laughs> That's the best. So make sure you don't get multiple bites. Those are guys that have lived with zombies and know what to do. Those guys do exactly the deal. You don't want to be around those guys if you're bit, but you definitely want to be around them in every other circumstance. Because those guys were instant. They're like, bad bite. And that was it. Because it's all the people that like won't tell anyone they were bitten or they like get sensitive about... The zombie movies are always full of the guys like, you're not going to kill my friend. Yeah. Like, man, he's going to kill you in five seconds. Well, I don't blame somebody if, they're, if they've been bitten for not wanting to say something because they know they're just going to get killed by the people or left behind to die alone. I mean, that, that's, that's a tough spot to be in. I could see that. I think I'm starting to get into your head on this. So I think I'm starting to see what category you're in, Brooks. So you're telling me you're the, you're the don't ask, don't tell zombie crowd. <laughs> I'd be long gone. Don't worry about that. I'd be the, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to get subtly bitten. I'm going to die in the first five minutes. I already know. I, I don't doubt that at all. With the luck I have. I'd be the guy that, that becomes the first zombie somehow by, by get, uh, tripping and falling on the poisonous monkey or something. <laughs> you know, another thing that, that happens that no one ever does in zombie movies, and, and it seems pretty obvious to me. Pretty much every zombie What's movie that? you see, what, what happens is you'll be standing there, somehow a door behind you will creak open, and there's a zombie there, what do you know? And he instantly latches onto your arm or shoulder and rips off a huge hunk of flesh, real slow motion-like, just peels off of you, and you're like, ah! Then, of course, you're going to turn into a zombie. It seems like if you wear some kind of armor, just develop some kind of at least layered clothing, I mean, it would be hard to bite through like three layers of denim they do it in the movies like it's nothing but it's, i think in real life if, if you were wearing something really solid 
they could bite, but to penetrate that and actually infect you would be a little bit harder. So that'd be the well, one of the first true. things I do. Like, yeah, and, and the girls are always running around like tank tops and stuff in those High movies. Heels. This is really this is going out to you girls because you girls are never prepared for horror movies. I don't know why you're the ones who always survive them, but it's like seriously, you could wear sleeves if you know someone's out there trying to bite you. I'd be putting on but like, I guess, football pads and helmets. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? You're in the mall. Like, they're in the mall, and no one even thinks to do that in that movie. Flag jackets, yeah, or if you like can a, find them. Put on a wetsuit, man, whatever. Do you know how hard it is to pierce that kind of yeah. stuff? Get one of those shark-proof suits that you that they, the shark diver guys use. Sharks can't yeah, bite through if you it. Have There's access. no way a, a person in zombie form could. People in zombie form, for some reason, have enormously powerful bite power and jaws i don't know it is a rip i, guess I don't think everything. if i bit on a dude i could rip flesh from him like it's nothing like right that. off him yeah. <laughs> yeah i have to have a knife to, to eat a steak yeah, you know what real. i mean like i couldn't imagine imagine picking up a steak and just eating it like that that's the difficulty level we're talking about i have a hard time here. opening up like a candy bar with my teeth truly <laughs> so i don't think that i don't know i don't know what changes in in zombie vacation but you virtually never see zombies swinging weapons at people. And you also never see where they bite someone and it doesn't pierce the skin. Speaking as a person who's bitten a lot of people and been bitten yeah. a lot of times. More than I can, I can count. say. Yeah, really. More than I care to go into, especially as to why. But, but if you've ever seen a person get bitten in any context, it almost never draws blood at all. Like if a person laid into you and tried to bite you, more than likely it wouldn't even pierce the skin. Well, this goes back I to I can't that. even imagine a person trying to tear a chunk of flesh off. This just goes back to that super zombie bite strength. Hey, that's the only theory that works, man. But Although the rest of them, they seem to be falling to pieces in every other respect. But those jaws, man. If you're in karate, and, and, and this is one of the things we told you to learn, then you, you kind of you have to gauge. You have to gauge the attack that's coming at you. You have to learn how to counter certain attacks. Zombies, it seems like it'd be pretty simple because all they do is bite. They don't they don't punch. They they certainly don't do karate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go to the body in, in every case. Don't ever punch them in the face. Don't get near the head. Whatever. Yeah, well, Your whole goal is to stay away from do the mouth. Is defend yourself from one thing: their mouth. That's it. Yeah, and that seems to me pretty easy. Now, some of the new zombie movies—they're scary and they're fast and they're di and they're difficult to fight in other ways. But you're still mostly wanting to avoid that bite. And here's something that happens in zombie movies that always bothers me: it's like if you get bitten, that's it. You're dead. You turn into a zombie. But they will get right up on them and they will blow their whole face off, and they will be bathed in oh, zombie yeah. blood. <laughs> like their whole face, it's in their eyes, it's in their mouth, it's everywhere, and they're all covered with open wounds from other things. That is never a source of infection in zombie oh, movies. Oh man, what is that movie? Have you seen House of the Dead 2? Yes. Where they're on the in college fact, campus? strangely enough, that's one of the things I was thinking of when I said that. Oh that's my bad. god, they're blatant in that about getting blood on them. Like, like they seem everywhere. to not care. Hygiene's important. If zomb zombie movies should teach us that above anything else. And you know, another lesson I would add that's specific to zombies. This this isn't a world survival kind of thing, but since we're talking zombies. That's fine. Zombies are the focus, because I think they're the, they're the ultimate metaphor for the end of the I, world. I think in any zombie movie, it's not a wise idea. I've yet to see a movie where it is a wise idea to try to capture one and contain it somewhere. Because every yeah, time they have one, it gets out and it kills the guy that captured it every time this isn't just true in zombie movies this is true in any horror movie because every time they try to take one alive that's how it plays out man whenever they have some kind of awful thing captured it ends up getting out and getting everybody don't 
Yeah, don't get curious. Don't take them alive. The purpose of zombies, if it's that, just kill them all. Because you don't need to know what caused yeah. it. They get bit, and it got, and that's what caused it. So don't just don't do that. I mean, I guess if if you really need, in some movies they do it where they they want a sample to study in the lab or whatever. Well, get your sample and then leave the zombie out in the woods. Don't don't try to keep a, a live yeah. version of it next well, door to your yeah, lab. Yeah, what are you learning from the live zombie? Kill the zombie. Take a sample of the blood. Done. I don't understand. Why do you want the live zombie? What's that teaching you? Except in Day of the Dead where he actually was doing behavioral modification yeah, stuff on the zombies. Really that weird. was a little weird. <laughs> but but uh, other than that, in a normal, like not crazy scenario, you would just want to know what the nature of the zombie infection was, not the nature of the zombie himself. They're all pretty self-explanatory. And I don't think you should count on chain link fences to protect you. Or anything like that. That didn't seem at all safe. I don't understand why people in movies, and this happens to me, like, I don't understand after you kill Jason, why you didn't cut him into, like, separate parts and then put all those parts in a blender? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, that's where I like Evil Dead better than anything. He understands. It's like, chain him down and dismember them completely. <laughs> like, he figured that was logical. He was like, look, sounds awful, but I had to do it with my girlfriend and I got over it. So this is what you do. This works. But they never do that. They like they, they, they hit Jason with a shovel and then they run. Or they hit the guy who has the gun and he drops the gun and they run away without taking the gun. You know, all all these things all make me crazy. They, these are anti-survival oh, tips. And when they when they think Jason's dead, what do they do? They're like, well, let's put him on this gurney and keep him in our lab. Yeah, like even in that last one that they did before the space one. You know, they send the army in and they, they blow him up and you're like, this is what they should have done from the beginning. But what do they do? They take all the pieces back to a lab. And I just love whenever they do have a zombie in the lab, they, they feel the need to put it in the room directly next to the scientists with only glass separating the two. I think this is where I'm not an action guy and I wouldn't be useful in that capacity. But I think this is the capacity that I would be useful in. Like I won't run the dryer while I'm asleep. You know, I won't leave like I won't leave the lamp on in my house while I'm not there because I'm thinking constantly, oh, man, that could start a fire or this could happen. I don't want to do that. You know, constantly trying to worry about like the, the little things. I'm the guy you want to have in that lab when they're like, yeah, we'll put him in the glass room. It's like, wait, we'll do what with a what? Hold on, man. You can't run the drying machine at night. It could start a fire. You need me. Can't keep a you need me to tell you room? these things. Like, you can't just keep the zombie in that glass room. Tie him down. Tape his hands. For God's sake, muzzle him. What's wrong yeah, with you? All you really got to do is muzzle him. I don't yeah, even know if a zombie would be do smart a thing enough to take to it us off. If we muzzled. <laughs> or just remove his teeth. know to take it off. Just, like, knock his teeth out. And then he could gum you all he yeah. wants. But I think one of those one of those ball gag things that they you know like in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that would be. I can't even imagine like a human being with those would be you know, like couldn't get through that. So so maybe what we're saying is he should have a, a trunk full of ball gags. Yeah, in your in your trunk that already has a first aid kit, an inflatable raft, a tent, a full change of clothes, and an alternate identity. <laughs> make sure that you keep melee weapons and a ball gag in. Yeah. Just in the same bag. Make sure you have a hatchet and a ball gag. A ski mask and an overcoat. Yeah. We give the worst advice ever. We're going to get somebody arrested. I heard it on a podcast. Tell me more about this podcast. 
I think that this advice probably will only be useful in an end of the world scenario <laughs> and everything else will just get you in trouble. But with that in mind, I guess we could review like 10 of the best and worst zombie movies. And I'm going to say up front, I'm excluding the Return of Living Dead movies because I, I don't even – I don't count those movies. They they seem like parodies of zombie movies and not in that clever way. All right. All so right. if you like those movies, I'm sorry, but there they are. Now, what, what are the Return of the Living Dead movies? I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Well, it's it's sort of like a takeoff on Night of the Living Dead where Night of the Living Dead supposedly really happened. They like did them in the 80s. And it was sort of a return to that and, you know, they come back and they're all kind of punk, punk rock kind of zombies and they talk and that. That's probably the only thing in, in The Return of the Living Dead that you don't see in other movies is they talk. Oh, really? Are they intelligent yeah. or are they just like repeat things? No, they're just going around going, brains! Oh. Eat brains! <laughs> right. Okay. So so I left those out. If you're a fan, you know, that's fine. But I, I left them out. So starting with number 10, I'm going to mention House of the Dead, which is definitely the worst non-Italian zombie movie of all time. There are a lot of really bad, like, low-budget zombie movies that were made in Italy, probably, I think, in the 70s and the 80s. But this one is was produced in America with a budget, and it is horrible. <laughs> At least Resident Evil, which was also based on a video game, tried to have some kind of story, even though it took itself way too seriously. While this movie doesn't take itself seriously at all, it doesn't even really try at all either. It indulges in ridiculously stupid action sequences that take up most of the movie, bad acting without compensatory sex scenes, and they incorporate actual footage from the video game, like as if anybody cares about this game. They do that in Doom, too. This is what I fully believe about all adaptations. It's like if you're making a TV show and you're making a movie out of the TV show or if you're making a movie based on a book or if you're making a movie based on a video game, at least approach it from the idea that no one has heard of the source material. Create a movie that could appeal to a new audience. Look, what if you're watching this zombie movie and it's it's already kind of lame, but in between they cut to these little video game footage, like shots of zombies, and you're like, what is this? That movie, I don't know if people will have listened and remember our, our horror movie episode, but this movie is another, another one of those lessons. These kids go to some kind of crazy rave out in the middle of nowhere on an island, and then, of course, all this horrible stuff happens. Just... Don't know better than to go to raves out on islands that nobody's ever heard yeah, of. Yeah, don't do that. That sounds like a bad idea. And then they get like, a, because they're late, they charter a ride with this like incredibly seedy old sea captain guy <laughs> who like turns out to be a gun smuggler, which actually turns out to be good because then he's got weapons. I like at the end how the one guy like uses a sword or something. Isn't he like a oh, resurrected yeah, medieval fighting. fighter or something? I forget what the deal is. And then he talks. He talks in the movie as a zombie. He's the only one. The rest of them are just zombies, but he has like a whole story and all that. They do fight. This movie has more action like sequences than any fight. other zombie That's movie. That's awesome. Well, they have like unbelievably bad gunfight scenes where they're shooting the zombies in like a big last stand moment and then they end up in a sword fight at the very end. It's awful. The only cool things in the movie are, as we discussed, they had swimming zombies, which would have been cool in a cool movie. And they had an appearance by Biff naked, but then she gets killed. I kind of, you know, you've got me wanting to watch it again, actually. It's one of those. It's a lot of fun. Like as bad movies go, if you're going to make a bad movie, make it incredibly bad because then it's at least fun to watch. All right. Next. Number nine. Number nine is a, a, it's a zombie movie, but but sort of. 
It's children shouldn't play with dead things, which which actually made the list in the horror episode also for things you shouldn't do, which is don't play with dead things. I'm not sure which end of the fence this movie falls on, whether it's one of the best or one of the worst, but it's definitely worth mentioning. The idea, which is basically just a bunch of film students planning to shoot a borderline snuff slash art film with a real dead body, would actually be creepy if you made it into a, a, a more realistic movie. Because that element of it was kind of, you know, kind of actually disturbing. The ick factor definitely being there. But it defers to campy over creepy most of the time. But it's definitely a cool, weird movie. And it ends with a shot of zombies on the catamaran, so it can't be all bad. <laughs> so yeah, it's a movie. That, <laughs> that's my that's... favorite shot in a movie. Just the very end, they get off the island and they're on a catamaran sailing to the mainland. All right, number eight. Number eight is definitely on the worst list, and I apologize to Mr. Romero, but this return to the genre that he created just proves my theory that directors should never return to the genres that they create, especially after a new generation of filmmakers has taken the idea to the next level. While remakes of Romero movies and homages to his style by younger directors have elevated the zombie genre, this throwback to the old school plays like a 1980s gang thriller. It's not a bad movie, but it reminds me more of stuff like The Warriors or Escape from New York than the original Living Dead movies. It's got yeah, – did you see that one? You know, here's the thing with the the Romero movies. I get them all mixed up in my head. Which one is that? What happened? This is the one? recent one. This one – and this is where is things go wrong. Is this the one where they, they're living in the, the city and they, the land, they have to yeah. go out with exactly. fireworks where they to distract have to, them and, and – yeah, I thought that Which, that I didn't kind of think stuff it is was neat. that bad. It wasn't bad. It's just that if it had come out at the same, if it had come out right after Day of the Dead, it would have been fine. But it's like zombie movies have hit a new a new high since the last time he was making them, and he's made this movie like nothing had ever changed. I mean, you got these guys; they're in this city. They have this. They have this. The, the ultimate A team thing, which is starting to get on my nerves. They have the souped up bus to fight the zombies. <laughs> And then John Leguizamo, for no reason, like carries around like some kind of harpoon gun, crossbow thing that he shoots zombies with, even though they all have guns. It's like it's so G.I. Joe or so like cheesy 80s where like the Road Warrior where they all had their own weird weapons and costumes and stuff. It's, it, it's in no way as cool as like newer zombie movies like, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake tried to take it very seriously or 28 Days Later. I thought you know in, though, in that the shadow of movies like that. I thought it was pretty cheesy. I thought it was a, a kind of a neat concept in parts. I liked how they they had to go out into the countryside to get medicine and things out in these I little like that stuff. abandoned stores, and it was very dangerous and scary. I thought that was really. But the cool. idea of like the empathic, like the 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 one the the sympathetic zombie yeah. who becomes it, like emotional. Well, that they they were evolving. I guess is the point. Which, which yeah, could have been scary, but they didn't handle it very well in that one because you you don't want to be sympathetic with them. You, they're not scary if you're sympathetic with them. And it's exactly right. You know, I read an, a review of that movie that said George Romero is the last person left that thinks that zombies are actually a metaphor for something. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I do think. But I think if zombies are going to be a metaphor, then it has to be an extreme example. You can't start to have like the end of the movie where the zombies are all crossing the bridge and they have the opportunity to shoot him. The guy's like, "No, they're just looking for a better life." Yeah, that, that like, was no, bad. No, looking for people to eat. <laughs> yeah. 
even whether or not they're developing their own sense of self, they've been eating people through the whole movie. Either way, they're still the bad guys. Like, they're not looking for a better life. The zombies are clearly going to go eat some people. That's where I think it lost it. Because he played with that idea in Day of the Dead, and I thought it was pretty cool. The idea that they're starting, like, given time, the zombies are becoming more like people. And it was sort of interesting. But then he sort of followed it up in that movie, and it didn't work at all. Well, in all of his, he he, he like seems it. like he always has something that he wants to say about the perils of actual society. And I guess in this one, he was attacking corporate greed, you know, because well, they, the, they had the upper Instead class. Of, they had a class system in the little city they lived in. And that worked. He should have stayed with that instead of trying to create the concept that the zombies themselves were sympathetic. What makes zombie movies work is that the zombies are awful. And then in trying to deal with this awful threat, people become awful to each other and then in turn are worse than zombies. But if the zombies, he's trying to create, like the zombies are becoming kind of okay and the people are bad. It's like, you know, I wasn't getting exactly what the what the metaphor was anymore. All right. Number seven. Number seven, Shaun of the Dead. And, and I know people that disagree with me on this. I know people that don't like this movie at all. No, surely not. I'm telling you. Some of the more inventive zombie movies of the last few years have been parodies of zombie movies. You know, this one being a really good example because it's really fun and it and it deals with regular guys like you were talking. They go to a bar to avoid the zombies. You know, it's like a regular dude fighting the undead, but it doesn't pull any punches just to stay funny either. Like there's a really a lot of awful stuff. A lot of serious stuff happens. It's a real zombie movie in its own right on top of being a comedy. Yeah, it's, it's not a straight it's got out scary spoof. moments. It's got scary moments. And it's got really sad stuff, like his, his mom oh, no, dies. And, that's really, you know, really you know. sad. Man, Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite movies. So I, I think it was really clever. It was awesome. The directing in that movie, if you watch it for the direction, there is some really clever and spooky, ominous stuff at the beginning. Like before the zombie thing happens, there's all kinds of little hints going on all around him. And, it's, and, and it really does build this sense of doom. I love in movies, and they do it in Shaun of the Dead, too. I love in movies when they're in the store, and they're talking, and the TV's on behind them, and it's talking about something horrible happened, and no one seems to notice, and that's what's going to happen everywhere. You know, like, meteorite has crashed, and people are starting to turn into zombies or whatever, and they're just like, yeah, so anyway, I was blah, blah, blah. They don't they don't see it on the TV behind them. They do that and that. But what that makes what makes that work really well in Shaun of the Dead is that he's such a sort of clueless <laughs> doofus so that it's it's well underway by the time he recognizes <laughs> I mean, it. That scene where he's like walking threat, to the store. The threat is almost absolute by the time he's noticed the first zombie. That, that's one of my favorite scenes in movies ever when he wakes up and he walks to the store and it's going on all around him and he doesn't notice at all. <laughs> and he like opens to he's in the store, he opens the cooler to get a coke and a big bloody handprint on the cooler and he closes it and doesn't <laughs> see it and then he slips on the floor because there's blood on the floor and doesn't notice <laughs> yeah that's, that's great that's awesome that's what makes that movie i don't know and he survives I don't know what people don't see in it but that's what makes the movie work for me it's great number six on number six we already talked about it, day of the dead which I think this is an oft-forgotten film. It's the third installment of the Romero zombie saga. It was the last one that he did before Land of the Dead. And it introduced the idea of zombies becoming more than just mindless killing machines without making them caricatures of themselves. And that's what I think Land of the Dead did. It sort of lost sight of that. It went too far. But this one also focuses on what makes zombie movies great to me. It illustrated how conflicts between the living can be much more dangerous than the impending threat of being eaten alive. 
Because on that one, they're all like in a bunker underground and the soldiers are on the verge of just kicking them out or killing them all together. So, you, so there was, they're on this razor's edge of what they can say or do. It's almost like a, a microcosm of a fascist regime because if these guys want to kick them out, they're definitely going to die. So they end up having to do as the soldiers say. That would be – they're doing a remake of Day of the Dead. Well, I think that's actually. good because – So I think that could be something in modern times that could be very cool if they do it right. That one is very dated when you watch it now. It it It's hard to get into, I think, because it's so dated. I'm running this monkey farm yeah. now, Frankenstein. You get the scientists arguing with the military guys. And I don't know. It comes off a little a little cheesy, even though the concepts are, are pretty good in it. Number five is Dead Alive. Totally, just like Shaun of the Dead is really just a, a spoof, but it's just a total wacko blood fest. Like Peter, this is Peter Jackson's first major movie. It's not his first movie, but this is what got him known. This is what pushed him into the cult consciousness. And all he was doing was lampooning the zombie genre in a time when when zombie movies weren't really in vogue like they are now. Like this movie, Dethroned Evil Dead, is the goriest movie of all time. Yeah. And I think that, that it might still be. I mean, it's the kind I, of gore that, that's cartoony. But I watched it with uh, some younger friends of mine, and one of them literally almost got sick. And I, I couldn't believe awesome. it. Because I'm like, I thought it was funny. And I think, what are you, you la- you're, you're grossed out by this? And he was like, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so, all right, oh cool. <laughs> I've never seen yeah. someone do that in a movie before. You need to man up. That's why we need movies like Man Dead Alive. I, I mean, can't it, believe it. You disgust me. It is hard to imagine topping that. Like when he's like wading through them with the the lawnmower tilted up, just like <laughs> spraying the walls. Like, with, you can like, make movies us. that are more disgusting psychologically. Like I'd much rather watch Dead Alive than Hostile. Oh yeah, definitely. But but as far as pure gore. It's going to be hard to top just the buckets and buckets and buckets of blood that they used in that movie, <laughs> scene for scene, where the old lady eats her own ear. Oh, that's gross. It falls off In the greatest scene of all in the movie, she's eating pudding, and she's already undead, and there are people over, and just parts of her keep falling off and falling into what she's eating. It's like porridge or something. And at one point, her whole ear just falls into it, and she eats the ear. That movie does something that that some other movies on the list look coming up do that, where where it's it's about a guy that is experiencing this, but he's trying to keep it secret because he's embarrassed socially. Yeah. He's like, I don't want <laughs> my what... new girlfriend to find out that my mom's a zombie, so <laughs> I'm trying to keep zombie. it just trying to keep it hushed. You know, that's what makes it clever, and that's what happens in our, in our number four movie too, yep. Cemetery Man. Which this is a movie that me and Brooks like a lot. That probably no one else on the planet, everyone hearing this podcast, is probably hearing about this movie for the first time. Cemetery Man is straight from the vault, but it's a really interesting take on the Living Dead idea, and it just like Dead Alive, it's like a regular guy. And what happens in the movie, he gets a job as like a nighttime caretaker of a graveyard. And then he comes to discover that they the, the dead bodies have a tendency to rise up from their graves. So he doesn't want to lose his job. So he just ends up putting them back down before anybody else can find out about it. And I, I, I haven't seen this movie since we watched it back in the day. I don't even know if you can get it on DVD. You, I'd you certainly can. like to. I saw it on Netflix. Oh, well, I should try. I should look and see if I can buy this movie because this movie is really clever. And I think it was actually made in – it's like was produced in Italy or yeah, something like it's that. A it's not an film. American. I mean it's a it's an English yeah. speaking 
film. It's an English language movie, but it was made by some Italian film production. And it's group. it's really funny too, up until the end where it gets very bizarre. Really artsy, really quick. Well, and there's some depressing turns that the movie takes. It's definitely, it's got a sort of indie feel to it, but it, I, I really liked Cemetery Man. But definitely if you like the zombie genre, this is probably one you've never seen before that you should check out. And if it's on Netflix, that's the way to go. In number three, we already talked about this, and I really do like The Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Which I like the original Dawn of the Dead too, which which is what makes the the remake good. If you can remake a movie that I thought was already good, and I think it's awesome in its own right, which I think is where this movie hit that level, then you've really got something. And the guy who wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake, he also wrote Slither, which we were talking about before, which oh, I yeah. thought was a good movie, but not as many people. He wrote and directed Slither, I believe. Those are both great movies, actually. I th- I thought Dawn of the Dead was really scary. I don't like the montages sometimes or in the mall, and you're like, I guess, seeing that time's passing, and they're just bored, so they're d- doing these little breakfast club kind of things where they're dancing together and stuff, whatever. <laughs> but but when those, at the beginning, especially when they're trying to get to the mall or get whatever, that is some scary stuff. Yeah, and the zombies, and one thing they do, and they really, 28 Days Later came out before this movie. And, well, 28 Days Later is my number two, so we'll group them in together. But 28 Days Later did this where it wasn't straight on a zombie movie because it wasn't living dead. It was people who got infected with something that made them, like, attack other people like wild animals and kill them and eat them and whatever. But one thing that 28 Days Later did with it was when they're not just kind of wandering around, they're fast and on the move. Like they're jumping around crazy zombies. Like these are the, like in normal zombie movies, it's the pure number of them that makes them difficult to deal with. But you're like, you know, if I saw one zombie, I'd push him over and run. But 28 Days Later is not like that. Neither is Dawn of the Dead. Like they're jumping off the walls crazy. They're coming at you. And that's something that, you know, Romero doesn't do in any of his zombie movies. Yeah. But that's like the new level that makes them scary. It's like, whoa, yeah, I would not want to mess with that. Yeah, the old-fashioned zombies are, are scary. I'm sure in real life, if I saw one, I would, you know, I'd need a, a change of pants, no doubt. But, but absolutely, at least they're slow. That's one thing you can say for them. Getting caught yeah, by one of those guys, you're pretty much asking for it. We talked about this before, but but in 28 Days Later, it really is like you know, you drop the styrofoam cup, and they're like, ooh, <laughs> and like wherever they are, they're coming to that sound. Like, cannot. We would not stand the idea of a living human on the planet. Everything must go. And uh, that beginning scene that we've already mentioned in Day of the Dead where she wakes up and the little girl's in her hall and the little girl sees her and just like flips to her feet. She doesn't even get up. She just like flies through the air and lands on her feet and starts charging at her. It's like, yikes. I know. Like, good Lord. That is not something you want to wake up to. What makes that work is the very fact that she did wake up to it because that's the immediate mobility when we were talking about in the survival guide. Immediate mobility is definitely the key because like you just woke up. You don't know what's going on. It's dark. The neighbor's kid's in your house and you don't know why. And the next thing you know, she's trying to eat you. She bit the husband. The husband's freaking out. She knew to climb out that window and get to the car. That made her, she's the kind of chick you want to know in that situation. That was a cool shot when they had the, I guess, the camera mounted to the car. Yeah, they come out and just show you all the awful stuff happening. It's good stuff. What's next? Uh, Next and finally, since we just covered Dawn of the Dead and 28 Days Later, would be Night of the Living Dead. My number one is Night of the Living Dead. I'm not sure I've heard of this one. Yeah, which is this? What's Night of the Living Dead? (laughs) 
Yeah, I never know because you said you hadn't heard of Return of the Living Dead, and those are pretty popular with the kids. The kids who are probably like five years younger than me. Yeah, the the thirty year olds. Yeah, the thir- I call them the kids. They're actually probably like twenty eight. But Night of the Living Dead was made on a nothing budget. It was made in black and white, and it was made at a time where you just didn't have that kind of gore. And it was shot in like, like a did, weekend, wasn't it? Or like I, didn't, three I don't days, know, but it was. Like but it was shot. There wasn't much to the shooting of it, as far as all that, because they didn't have much to work with. But I mean, just gruesome gore they're introducing into the mainstream, and this is no other movie you're seeing this kind of stuff. It, you know, without a doubt, I mean, and and without dispute, created the zombie genre. There was nothing like zombies in movies or anywhere else until this movie came out. So this makes this one of the most influential movies of all time. Yeah. Because it created a new genre from scratch and represented it best. You know, when you talk about the metaphor for, you know, self-destruction of civilization through isolationism and alienation, it's not a living dead. The character conflicts are portrayed so well in this movie that the zombies are almost a backdrop to the rest of the story. And this is the only zombie movie that you could actually take and make a play out of it because the story is what's happening inside the house, not what's happening outside it. Zombies almost don't play into it at all because it's what happens amongst the living people that becomes scary. Yeah, that movie really showed what a genius Romero was, at least in that time of his life. Because that movie holds up. Unlike Day of the Dead and some other things, it's not dated at all. I mean, it, it's, still, it's still every bit as scary, I think, if you've never seen it. That's absolutely true. Unlike any of the other movies that have come after it, Dawn, the original Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, whatever, partly because it's in black and white, I guess, and partly because it's on such a low budget that everything, it's got an almost documentary feel to it. it feels real, yeah. Like great sci-fi, it tackles social issues. I mean, it's really about racial tension and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's about how people crack under pressure and how they may or may not actually unite against a common foe. Because that's really what it's all about. It's like there's only a few of them in this house and they can't come up with a game plan, even though it's clear that certain death is outside the house. And oh, man, that one part where the little girl gets up and sneaks up behind them, that is one of the scariest things in all movies. And that will never be top. The little girl kills her mom. Like, come on. With like a trowel. Yeah. (laughs) And that is scary. I mean, to have no budget, they they managed to find something that is like to the core frightening. Without a doubt. There will never be a time where you can't break out that movie, watch it, and it holds up. You may have to continue to remake the other Night of the Living Dead movies, and and I'm glad they do, but you won't have to remake that one. And he's a legend. I mean, there's no doubt at all. And George Romero did some other things besides zombie movies, but I mean, he's always going to be recognized for having created that genre. And it's one of my favorite In a lot of ways, that's more important. Man, I never get tired of zombie movies. There's a lot of really (laughs) lame ones, but, you know, you'd think because it's essentially the same story. I know you would. Like, I I buy comic books, like zombie comic books. It's hard to imagine how how it doesn't get boring because there's there's, there's nothing new or innovative really about it. And yet, I I never get tired of it. It's fundamental. It's primal. I think that it it really does speak to people. And and I think that's what people gravitate towards it. Or maybe we all just want to eat people. Maybe we we all want brains. Maybe we just need brains. Well, if you want to eat brains, you're you're in the wrong podcast, I think. You're not going to find a lot here. Yeah, if you're looking for brains, you've definitely come to the wrong place. (laughs) So I think we're safe. I think we're all right. What movie is that? Oh, it's The Simpsons. 
one of those Halloween episodes where there's zombies and they're going brains and they come up to Homer and they like start looking at his head and knocking on it and stuff and then they just keep moving <laughs> along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. Oh, to me. I love The Simpsons. All right. Well, that's it. But I think that's that covers it. If you have any zombie ideas or if you think we've left anything out and I can't see how that's true. Oh, I'm sure but there are plenty can, of awesome zombie movies that we haven't mentioned. Oh, there's, there's a there's bunch so of – there's zombie movies and perhaps even – I would love it if you would email us at feedback at tv8mydinner.com and let me in on some zombie movies that, that are cool that I haven't mentioned because I'm in on it, man. I'll I'll do it. Yeah, and we'll we'll if you do, we'll give you a shout out. I promise. We definitely will. So uh, feedback at tv8mydinner.com. As always, check out darkcrazy.com for stories and poetry and art and editorial stuff. Editorial where like we have the, stuff uh, like some more Perfect Ten lists yeah. that you can check out. Like the kind of stuff we went over tonight. We can find lots of those on the editorial page at darkcrazy.com. That's Sean's site, so go check it out. And uh, as always, you can find these podcasts on tv8mydinner.com or on iTunes. Just search for tv Yeah, take us through iTunes. Like, Surely that'll help our numbers if you download us through iTunes. Just search for, you know, what, what are we going to do? You what can search for Dark Crazy. You can search for TV8 My Dinner. You can search for Brooks Robinson or Sean Gilbert. We're bringing you There's the best in opinion-tainment. Opinion-tainment, exactly. All I'll right. have to add that to our iTunes keywords. <laughs> Just look for opinion-tainment. <laughs> I'm not sure how to spell that. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Like I said, yeah, we'll get that worked out not, for you not, not a lot of brains in this operation. So uh, <laughs> yeah. thanks for listening. Check us out next week. Until then, I'm Brooks. And I'm Sean. And uh, we'll see you later. Dog crazy.